I always love hearing that theme music. Do you? Did, did you pick that? I wrote it myself. Sure you did. I did not. It's called, you know what the name of this music is? It's Thanksgiving Day. No, it's called Today You Inspired Me. Really? I like that. Yeah, I thought That's it was very, an appropriate, appropriate title for the... Hello, everybody. This is a Podcast 94. It's actually Session 80 of the Inspiration Podcast. No, it's called the, 23 Podcast. It is. Hey, uh, how are your Thanksgiving preparations coming? Uh, well, first of all, let's introduce ourselves. You are Michael Puppas. Hello. And, and you are Father Herb. Yes, I am. Okay, my Thanksgiving preparations. Yeah. I always go to my sister Judy's house, and I talked to her yesterday. This year, we're actually planning what to bring. Now, where does your sister Judy live? She lives in Delphus, so it's about 75 miles. But usually, everybody just brings what they're thinking of, and we all think the same, so we all bring the same thing every year. Are you saying, in contrast, most years you don't plan what to bring? Or? Well, we each plan independently. And one year I had this great idea. I would take uh, potatoes of some sort. Yeah. Everybody brought potatoes. We all think alike. One year it's vegetables and everybody had, so we had vegetables and turkey. She prepares the turkey. That's safe. One year I thought dessert, everybody brought dessert. So it's turkey and dessert. The best year was when I thought a nice bottle of wine would be good. And everybody. And guess what? We had a lot of wine. That was a long Thanksgiving. So this year <laughs> uh, I asked her, I said, what do you need to balance it out? And so what are you taking? I am taking uh, broccoli with uh, a cheese type of sauce on it. Oh, nice. It, it's always something you can prepare quickly because the oven is being used for the turkey. And, you know, I've got to think uh, people fight over the microwave and all that stuff. So you have to kind of plan ahead. Yeah, it, it definitely takes planning. Uh, my brother David is coming to town. Actually, he's on his way right now. He's in the plane. He is in the van. He's in the van. They're yeah, driving. They're driving. They're road tripping from West Virginia. So he is coming with his children and his wife, and our house will be lots of fun over the that next few days. That would be a lot of fun. Good for you. Yeah. But this is a good week. We just came off the, the men's retreat. Yeah, I know you said it was a good time. Anything you want to kind of recap about the experience? It was a very large group, uh, 48 men. Overflow, actually, because the lo- uh, we go to Lawrence Lodge on Vineyard Lake. It's the old, part of the old camp to sales. Yeah. But it's not the kids' camp. It's It was a little bit more adult-built. And uh, that sleeps 40, so we use the, the house next door, mm-hmm. which they call the cottage. And that also belongs to the Oblates. And I call it the Fred House. The same Oblates as Father Jeff. Correct. Just yep. for clarification. Yeah, yep. the Oblates of uh, St. Francis de Sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just beautiful. They have a, a chapel there. It's open 24-7. So a lot of times in the middle of the night, the men love to just stop over there and sit and pray. It's There's something mystical about praying in the middle of the night. For sure. That's great. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good time. We were praying for you. Father Al was wonderful as always. It's yes. like When he comes, it's like grandpa's home. So it's nice. Yeah. He said uh, at the what, which one of the masses, he said, you know, each time he said, oh, this is my first time in the new church. So you have an 80 year old rookie or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's great. And uh, I got back in time for the five 5.30 Mass on Sunday. Yeah. And I think I told you afterwards, I said, hey, it's happened. And you said, what's happened? Mm-hmm. And I said, I feel at home now. So it's, I've been in the new church for what, about six, five, six weekends? About now, yeah. A couple of weddings. A couple of uh, funerals. A couple of funerals. A quinceanera, a reconciliation service. And I'm finally feeling at home with the space, with the sound, with the view, and I hope that people who are still adjusting are just patient because it just takes a while. Sure. But it does come and it felt so good, like, oh, I'm home. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It's starting to just feel more natural. I, I remember at the dedication mass sitting down at the piano for the first time 
even though I, we had been Is that there. the first time you ever played? Wow, no. you did very well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm really a prodigy. Uh, no, you know, we had been in there for four or five weeks rehearsing and, and doing stuff. But when I sat down at the piano before the dedication mass, I thought, oh, my gosh, this just feels so foreign, foreign, you know. Yeah. Well, but the it, other, the, uh, Ron Colley Hall, which we truly loved, wore like an old shoe. Yeah. But once in a while, you have to get a new shoes. It, it's true. Those are. I'm actually wearing my old shoes today. Well, but. that's because it snowed. It's true. Anyway, so this week, obviously, we're celebrating Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this podcast on Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving to you. We hope that you have a good one. Our mass will be at 9 a.m. this week, uh, which we're looking forward to. It's always a nice time it's, for people just to big, gather together. It's a great celebration, and then people go wherever they need to go. Yeah. I know a lot of people will be traveling, and I pray their travels will be safe. Friday is kind of a quiet day around here. Uh, Saturday, over the weekend, Friday evening and Saturday morning is a time I meet with a lot of engaged couples because people often come back home. Uh, they're getting married next year, but they come home over the holidays, and so I try to line up appointments. Sure. Uh, Sunday at the 11 o'clock mass, kind of exciting. It's not going to be very lengthy at all. It's rather short, mm-hmm. but there is... There will be or is, is it is or are? There are two confirmations. I will be confirming two women who went through RCIA last year. Mm -hmm. And in both cases, they were unable to complete at the Easter vigil. Uh, One was ill and the other one had some other circumstance. So we we waited till there was an appropriate time. And it's very exciting for me. Uh, So this will be this week. And it takes place after the homily. There's really just a short prayer. And then the imposition of hands on their head, asking, mm-hmm. calling down the Holy Spirit, and then the anointing with the chrism. Yeah, that should be nice. They'll both have First Communion then at the Mass as well. Wonderful. So that's coming up this weekend. Now, this weekend is the end of the liturgical year. We celebrate the Solemnity of Christ the King. It's, let me give you the full title. The Solemnity of Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. I feel like there should be the most epic music, like movie soundtrack. Uh, William, John Williams should write yes, the music Yeah, for exactly. Well, let me give you a little background for the Feast of Christ the King. In, in terms of church history... This is one of the youngest feast days. Just a little baby. Yeah, well, it was established in 1925. Oh, 1925. It was a very good year. I remember it well. It was started started by Pope Pius XI. Okay, I'll take your word for it. And because he was concerned about too much secularism taking over the world. Mm -hmm. And he said, we need to remember that Christ is the king of the world. Not stuff. Yeah. Does that doesn't that sound timely? It does. It was timely oh, in the twenties, and it's timely yeah. in oh, almost a hundred years ago. But nineteen twenty-five, and it it was a feast day celebrated in October. I can remember as a kid, it was in October, and then when they put the new lectionary together in 1970. post Vatican two, post Vatican two, they moved it to the end of the church year. So this is the final Sunday of the church calendar in the Protestant world. Most of the mainline Protestant churches have picked up the same feast, hmm. and they also celebrate it now at the end of the church calendar. I can't help but equate the Feast of Christ the King with also opening weekend in Roncalli Hall in 2008. Our, our uh, first Mass at, in the Roncalli Hall at the Parish Life Center was, I don't remember the exact date. I want to say November 21st. Some, somewhere around there. It was uh, before the Sunday before Thanksgiving that year. Yeah. And it was uh, the Feast of Christ the King. 
10 years ago. 10 years ago. It was 2008. So here we are. Exciting things happening. Of course, Advent is around the corner. We won't talk about that yet. That'll That's be a coming, week away. We'll talk about that next, next week. week. Let's talk about the readings of Christ the King because uh, the, it's an image of the first reading is from Daniel, which is all about a vision. Uh, it's very short. I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. Without looking that this is from Daniel, I would have guessed this is from Revelation. Just kind well, of the because, overtone. Well, da- of Daniel is a predecessor of Revelation with all the images. Yeah. You're right. But I've, I was struck by a couple of things. The first one was very serious the whole image of coming in glory and, you know, dominion, glory, and kingship. Which we talked about last week yeah, a little bit. Yeah, the son of man. The other one was a very frivolous thought that came into my mind because I have a lot of frivolous thoughts, and that was the word dominion. Because a couple of years ago, I talked about dominions, and one of the kids in the pew thought I was talking about minions. <laughs> I can see that happening at my yeah. house. What is dominion? Dominion is domain. It's like... Uh, you know, everlasting dominion, being in charge, the running the show. Um, yeah, the official definition here on Google is sovereignty control. Okay. So that's, synonyms that's, would be supremacy, authority, command, king, power. Kingship. Kingship, yeah. Okay, so let's go to the gospel. And can I invite you to read the gospel? I would be because happy it's, to. Well, let's do it sort of dialogue form because it's between Pilate and Jesus. <laughs> Okay, this this will be fun. Who are you? You're well, I, Jesus. I will be, be Jesus. You be a pilot. Of course. All right, we're in the Gospel of John this weekend, chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 33 for those following along. Who's going to be the narrator? Well, we each narrate our own part. Okay. <laughs> Pilate said to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world. To testify to the truth, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. End scene. Wow. We didn't even rehearse that. You didn't even know that. It was dialogue till I told you. There's not even anybody here to clap for us at this point. Yes. We could have done it without the he said, she said, or no, he said, he said parts. I thought it was good. I mean, that back in the 60s, that would have been on the radio as a nighttime primetime drama. Yeah, like the War of the Worlds. But, you know, I love our first station and the Stations of the Cross. Oh, yeah. It's, it has Pilate on one side, Jesus on the other. Mm-hmm. And you look at it, and the, it's almost like a power struggle. Yeah. And yet, it's more than that, because Pilate has his hand on his lip, like he's trying to decide. And Jesus is looking at him, saying, come on. Make the right decision. Yeah. If you uh, if you want to look at it this weekend, uh, when you come into church, it's the Station of the Cross closest to the statue of St. John the 23rd. Yeah, the first one on the left as you walk in. Definitely worth 
Not the at. first one closest to you, but the one closest to the front of the church. Yeah, that's what I said. On, the on one the left. Yeah. closest to the statue of St. John the yeah. 23rd. Did I, I say that? I, I was correcting myself, not you. Oh. Well, I'm used I, to, I don't correct you I'm used on, to you correcting on, the, me on the air. Often. I, often. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but it would be worth just walking past maybe in anticipation of the gospel this weekend as a reflection. But this whole dialogue, and it comes then, of course, the passage goes on. I, you know, I testified to the truth, and then Pilate says, well, what is truth? Yeah. You know. Uh, you can't handle the truth. That wasn't oh, that's this Jack, scene. <laughs> that's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> That'll be next week on the 23 podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We but, can do famous movie scenes. F- from the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> My kingdom does not belong to this world. You know, we t- spend a lot of time talking about the kingdom. but and, and you're always one that says, you know, the kingdom does start here on the world. But he doesn't say that the kingdom doesn't exist in the world. It says he it says doesn't, it doesn't belong to the world. Right. It's almost like we live two lives. We, we have the life here, yeah, and we've got an accountability to this world while we live here. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're uh, disenfranchised or that we become separatists, like we go out and live in the woods by ourselves. Right. Uh, rather, we have to make the world better. So we do have social engagement mm-hmm. with the world, with society. At the same time, that's not the end being. So if you take that with the whole concept of king, king it's certainly at the time of Jesus. The king not only was the ruler, the king was always threatened by anything else that came his way. That could take him out of power? Uh, yes, exactly. Okay. And Pilate, Pilate was that precarious position of not really, you know, he was not Caesar. He was appointed by Caesar, mm-hmm. but he had to do a good job. So what is there any sort of modern day comparison to the role that Pilate had in what, like in his, what was his jurisdiction or his authority? In the- it would be really hard for me to come up with one. Uh, it's if you think of colonialism, a lot of times there were governors of countries, mm-hmm. but they answered directly to the king or the power back in the European country. Okay, but in the 21st century, I, I, I would really struggle to There's figure, not a, figure a that out. Comparison. Okay, so whereas Herod was the ruler of Galilee. And Herod was had uh, Jewish blood in him. It was kind of a mixed blood. Mm-hmm. So there was some relationship there. He was not a good guy, and the Herods were they were pretty bloodthirsty. Pilate, on the other hand, was a procurator in Judah or Judea, mm-hmm. and he was completely an outsider. He didn't even like to live in Jerusalem. Really, uh, Pilate lived over there on the sea. Uh, I was going to try to come up with a song, but I have nothing. By the sea, by the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the seashore. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. So uh, so Pilate had had everything to lose. You know, he did not want Jesus standing in front of him. Yeah. You know, if he said, yeah, let's crucify him, he knew that he would win over the priests who had wanted to condemn Jesus. He would win them over to some degree. Mm-hmm. But in some of the stories of the the passion, it's almost like Pilate comes off as I don't want to crucify him. You know, I don't see I don't this well, man he was has a, done... he was a weakling. Yeah. He could he he was afraid to do the right thing. And I think that's what the station of the cross that Tim Schmall has created for us really looks like. Yeah. Uh Pilate is a coward and the the harm that was done was because he was indecisive and unable to 
do the right thing. And that comes back to the question, what is truth? Yeah. You know, he could not stand up to truth. His, and of course we have nowadays questions of whose version of truth or, you know, sure. Uh, and there, there is only one truth. However, there are different interpretations of truth. And I don't know how many people really know all of the truth. You know, the, the best, the best example of that was one time I was a witness to a crime and my testimony and the testimony of someone else mm-hmm. differed. Uh, we both saw the same thing. Yeah. They say we, actually, we, we did not recall the same thing. Yeah. That, uh, eyewitnesses are sometimes very unreliable testimony in court cases just because our memory sometimes fabricates things that happen. That we way. fill in the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. We, that's we a great fill way in to the gaps it. totally. And sometimes something's right before our eyes and it's, it's too much to handle. I'm going to give an example. It's kind of a ghastly example. So maybe remove the kids from the room and, but it's a true story. I was in Mexico city with another priest mm-hmm. and we were walking through the uh, very, very busy intersection on a Saturday and hundreds, maybe thousands of people were crossing the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just the way it was. And as we were crossing one street over on the other street, I heard a scream and I looked and a bus had turned. And as the bus had turned, it had run over a dog. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I just looked, oh, that's awful. And everybody stopped and stopped and froze. And when I turned back and looked the second time, I realized it was not a dog. It was a person. Oh, my gosh. But I, and it, the, the whole thing was sad, tragic. I don't know what happened, but it overwhelmed me. But it also amazed me that my eyes, for certain, saw a dog the first time. Mm. It was like it was too much for the human mind to comprehend. So I had my my brain quickly substituted something else that was still not good. No, but, but a little new, softer. Yeah, a lot softer. Yeah. So I believe sometimes we don't see the whole story. We can't. And our, our brain's just probably trying to pre, uh, protect us. That's why a lot of people don't remember their own uh, victimhood of abuse when they're children. Mm. The brain blocks it out. But for our own sake. To try to... To protect us. To protect us, yeah. yeah. But then it it seeps back in later on. I'd like to go back to what you said earlier about, you know, Pilate being afraid to do the right thing, because I think that is a great takeaway from uh, kind of his story of how often do we know maybe something that we should stand up for or something that we should do, but we're afraid of the opinions of others, and so it prohibits us from being as bold as we should. I often think of that when I when we work with the eighth graders getting ready for confirmation yeah. and we talk about the gifts of the Holy spirit yeah. and we certainly talk about the gift of courage mm. and I often pray that they will have the wisdom and the courage if they see something like if somebody's being bullied in school, right. That they could stand up or say something. Yeah. It, it really is a gift of the spirit to combat evil. But even as adults, I mean, we were faced with, I mean, I'm, I can't name anything off the top of my head right now, but there's everyday situations where, you know, as adults, we are called to stand up for what is right and to defend the weak and the impoverished and things like that. And, and sometimes I I think we just allow 
the culture or people, you know, people's perceptions of it. We don't want to ever ruin people's perceptions of us. You know, what will people think of me if I say this or, or if I do this? Oh, I think we have to be prophetic at times. And prophets often said things people did not want to hear. Now, unfortunately, people say a lot of things other people don't want to hear and they're not prophets. <laughs> but that's why the prophet has to be anchored into uh, God is so closely that we're not speaking just our own opinion or trying to get something off our chest. And if I, you know, how many times people say, well, I'm telling this because you need to know. Well, no, I'm just telling this because I'm upset and I want to, I want to vent. Yeah. On the other hand, sometimes we do have to speak up. We have to speak up for the, the, the migrant workers, or we have to speak up for, uh, displaced people, or we have to speak up for the refugee camps all over the world that, don't even have blankets and Christmas and cold weather are coming. And right. we do have to speak up for the people right in our own country. Yeah. I was going to, you know, the people yeah. in our own, in our own church, in our own community that, you know, we talk about like bullying in high school and middle school, bullying in some way still happens in adulthood. You know, people are still, they still, you know, look down upon others that are different from them or, or things like that. And as adults, we have to be able to truly love every person, you know, for who they are made in God's image. At the end of this gospel reading, it's almost a bit of a foreshadowing to what we're preparing for over the the coming weeks when Jesus said, for this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. So it's almost like, here's a little sneak peek of what's going to be. Birth and death. We we make a, a, a big mistake of separating Jesus' life. You know, at Christmas we celebrate his birth. Little baby, Easter, baby Jesus. Yeah, Holy Holy Week. Well, yeah, he entered Jerusalem, Palm Sunday. He had the Last Supper. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. Yeah. Forty days later, he ascended. But we sh- we have to look at all of it with every feast. Well, that's the end of this liturgical year. And next, what what year was this? B. This was cycle B, so we we end with John, but uh, next week we start with Luke. All right, cycle C with Advent coming your way. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you this weekend for Christ the King. God bless.